All over the world, people are gathering and they're revisiting this, this story of the empty tomb. And I'm sure all over the world, there's going to be different angles and different aspects of what people are going to be looking at. And but the bottom line is that we get the fullness of the understanding of what happened that day. So that then we would be drawn closer to God. You know, as we're worshiping, I, I was thinking about Mary Magdalene. The Bible says that she, she ran, she waited, she waited. And, and it was very early in the morning. And if any of you have ever sat to watch a sunset, you, you got to wait patiently. And it looks like it's coming, but it's still a little bit while longer. And but then you start to see light. And it's, everything's still not clear, but then you start to see the sun come up. And you just kind of have to, you know, you want to put yourself in her shoes because you have to remember what they may have been feeling. You know, this was the, the Messiah that walked with them for three years. And, and then now he's gone. I mean, imagine if you found someone who you just devoted your life to and, and you put all your trust in and then they told you about these things. But a lot of times we don't really grasp it, you know, and then so we start to see that the undesired is actually starting to become reality. And they saw him beaten and, and flogged and ridiculed. And you have to imagine the, the sorrow that was going on in Mary Magdalene's heart, and not just her, but all the disciples, everybody who trusted in Christ, they probably felt abandoned. I mean, that's why Jesus said, don't, no, let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. But you can't blame them for feeling the way that they did. This man that they loved and they trusted, he was gone. I mean, part of our human nature is going to say, but but God, you're, you're God. How did you allow that to happen? I mean, we experience that even now when things happen in our life, right? We say, God, how did you allow that to happen? Though, oh, I'm mighty in the scriptures. I'm mighty in a lot of things. But God, how did you allow that to happen? And so now we can experience the sorrow that Mary Magdalene was feeling. But yet, she didn't allow it to pin her down. But she ran to the grave. She ran. And, and, and the Bible says that it was Mary Magdalene to whom Jesus first appeared. It wasn't to Peter. It wasn't to none of the other apostles, but it, it was to Mary Magdalene. But you see her in the Gospels, and she was always at the feet of Jesus, worshiping Him and adoring Him to the point that Judas Iscariot got upset and said, why are you pouring that perfume on His legs? You, you, his feet, you could have used it for something else. And Jesus says, let her alone. Her story is going to be told for decades on, and we're talking about the story today. Because she just wanted to adore the, the Christ, right? He hadn't been risen yet, but she knew, she saw by faith, this is true. What he says, I know I've experienced it because he's changed my life. The Bible says seven demons were casted out of her. I'm a changed woman. I don't think the same. And you have to imagine her heart. My Savior, my Lord, he's He's dead. But the Bible says that her and the other women went because they still wanted to anoint him. They wanted to anoint his body. They wanted to be there. You just have to allow this story to become real. This is not a story that we just read about. This is something that happened 2,000 years ago, and we have to allow it to become real, lest we still remain dead. 
I mean, we have to allow the gospel to become real to us. So why do we gather today? Why do we celebrate just to say he's risen? Just to say happy Easter? Just to have gatherings? No. I mean, those things are all wonderful. But the truth is, is that this is a, a memorial per se, if that's what we do, of what happened to Jesus and why he did it. And we understand at the end that it goes beyond that. And that's what we want to, that's our desire to look at and try to understand today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24. We're going to read verses 13 through 27. And again, scripture says that every word here is living, it's breathing, it's active, it's inspired by God, and this isn't just a book like your novel that we read. This is a book that many people devoted their lives to. This is a book that people were beheaded because of it. People were torn in two because of it. People were thrown in the lion's den because of it, and they were happy to do so. And today there's a lot of people who will only go as far as being thrown in the den of the living room, only to be consumed by Christian movies and the superficial stuff. And I would say that it's our, our duty, it's our calling to go deeper into the matters of God that he would become more real to us and we can present him more real to other people. Luke chapter 24. Verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart 
to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. God, this morning, grant us the ability to see, to see the truth of who you are, to see the truth of all that is contained in this story of redemption, the story of the crucifixion, God, that we would leave from here with a better understanding, a better knowledge, or better yet, Father, a greater intimacy because of that. You did that for all those who trust upon you, for all those who are going to become your sons and daughters. Father, may we not wait until the day that we stand before you, but may it cause us to rejoice in our souls even now, Father. May we have the same mentality of Mary Magdalene. And may we, may we have great anticipation. Father, we pray to you and ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So in this, in this portion of Scripture here, of course, Jesus had already been crucified and third day had already came. And we see that there was a couple of disciples and they were traveling to a village that's seven miles away. But in the process of this traveling seven miles is a pretty long way. They were talking, they were reasoning, they were discussing and I'm sure they were pretty grieved just as well as everybody else. I'm upset. What, what just happened? What just went on? And all of a sudden we see that Jesus shows up. He drew near to them. But their eyes were restrained where they didn't know that it was Jesus. They just knew someone was there. And he asked them, what kind of conversation is this? That you have with one another. That you're walking, but yet you're sad. You're walking, but yet you're sad. What conversation is this? Because that's not what Jesus desired. Jesus desires that we have joy. I mean, we could ask ourselves the same question this morning. What kind of conversation is this in my life that I'm walking with Christ, but yet I'm still sad? But yet we want to walk with Christ and have that joy. Okay, we can walk with Christ and be afflicted. We can walk with Christ and be oppressed. We can walk with Christ and be troubled. But why sad? Because our hearts should be full of joy. Because sadness is the opposite of joy. And he said, what conversation is this that you have with, the one, with one another? Shouldn't you be uplifting one another, encouraging one another? And then one answered and said, are you, what, are you a stranger here that... You don't realize what just happened? I mean, the whole town knows. Everybody knows what just happened with Jesus. And so he goes on to say, this man, Jesus, he was uh, mighty indeed. And according to the prophets, and we thought that he was going to redeem Israel. Remember when he rode in on a donkey and they all were shouting, Hosanna, uh, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And then the next week, which would be today, 
or Friday, that's exactly what happened. Why? Because it wasn't happening the way that it seemed to be. And that's the thing that can happen to us is God doesn't play out in our lives the way that we think. And so now it's, it, it, the tendency to want to go a different route is there. So you can't blame part of them, but at the same time, it's our faith. You know, we have to put our faith into practice and say, i got to trust. If the Bible says it, then I believe it and that settles it. Right? If the Bible says it, that's the final word. That's my final word. So he says, we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. And as a matter of fact, today's the third day. He was going to, he was going to uh, rise three days later and we haven't found him. So they're kind of sad and they're, they're upset. And he says, yeah, some of the women went and they saw him, but we went and yet None of us saw him or none of them that went saw him. And it's how could the women have seen him, but the other people didn't see him. The same way that sometimes people in, in Christ, they see deeper things in Christ, but the other people, they don't see it. I don't see what scripture is saying, but some of them say, no, I, I see exactly the picture of what the Bible is showing us. And so Jesus told them, foolish ones, foolish ones, slow of heart. To believe in all that the prophets have spoken. He says, ought not the Christ to have suffered? I mean, that's the whole, that right there is like the foundation of the gospel, suffering. And it's something that none of us like, myself included. But as I said a time before, that there is suffering at the cross, but there is also beauty at the cross. So we should embrace that suffering because out of that suffering comes beauty. He said, don't, don't you think that he had to suffer in order to enter into his glory? Because there was no other way around it. So what he did is he started at Moses and went all the way through the prophets and he expounded, he explained according to the scriptures, everything that it meant according to him and what was going to happen. And that's exactly what we try to do every Sunday when we get in a book and we go consecutively through scripture to try to figure out what was going on. But you notice that they talked and they walked and they reasoned. They were talking about God, they were walking, they were reasoning, but yet they still had this thing called unbelief. It rose up in doubt because of these failed expectations that they had. And right about now, we should start to be able to relate with these two gentlemen that were walking with everybody else in Scripture because none of us is better than them. We've all experienced it as well. And so at that point, the, the Lord Jesus, or through His Holy Spirit, He would ask us, what kind of conversation is this that you're having amongst yourself in your own head? You're doubting me? You're believing me? What kind of conversation is this? What kind of conversation is this that you have when you gather? A lot of you may have, I'm sure that you have, lost a dear loved one at some point in life. And if you start to pay attention over the process of time, that hurt, that grief, that sorrow, by the most part, it starts to become less and less. Now, there is some people who it does continue to just be there like a thorn in the flesh. But by the most part, for me, example, I lost my father who I loved dearly many years ago. I can't tell you the last time that I remembered him in my mind. I used to get convicted at first because time would go by and I haven't thought about my father. You know, he's gone and I want to honor him. 
And little by little, it became less and less and less. Of course, when it's fresh, it, it, you're, you're constantly dwelling upon it. And that's kind of what's happening with this story of redemption, this story with the Lord. See, we're the ones who are called to keep this story alive and, and active and real. And that's what's happening today. If a lot of you know much about angles when you're building, you know that an angle, uh, when you're trying to, to, to build, let's say, a roof or, or what have you, a wall, when that angle is just one degree off, it's just off just in the slightest point, you know that the end is going to be very off. At the beginning point, it'll be slightly off, but at the very end, you're going to have some big problems. And that's, in a sense, what's happening with the gospel somewhere along the line. It's, it's been changed a degree or two, and now it's way off. If we don't believe that it is, just take a look at the world. Just take a, a look at everything that's happening in the name of Jesus, not in the name of the world, okay? They do what they do, the gospel says, but in Christianity. And that's, I choose to address that because I think that we need to address it, not to condemn anyone, but of course to, to provoke the souls of people. Let's get back on track. Let's make right what was made wrong. Well, it's important if we're believing in this Christ who died for us. So what conversation is this? Mark chapter 16, verses 1 and 2 says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they may come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Early in the morning, the sun had come up. There was light. They could see. They ran to see the Savior. John chapter 20, verse 1 says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. It's like, I thought it was daytime when she went. It was early, it was sunrise, but John says, while it was still dark. And that's what I want to see uh, as we see through this, because this darkness, it, it does speak of a darkness. Think of the, in the, when the sun starts to rise before it even comes up. There is still a darkness. You can see shadows. You can pretty much discern things. I can tell that's a body, that's a vehicle, that's a tree, but I can't see the colors. I can't understand it all. You see silhouettes. That's pretty much what was happening at this point while she was running but when you look at the Gospel of John, John talks about darkness a lot. The Bible talks about darkness, but John makes a lot about darkness. And that's what I, I want to speak about is this darkness, because this darkness is metaphorical and it speaks of the what the Bible would say, the ignorance according to divine things. It talks about the lack of understanding, the lack of knowledge according to the things that pertain to God. That's what darkness is metaphorically talking about in the Scriptures. And it also talks about the wickedness that's associated with it. Now, we associate wickedness with robbing and stealing and killing and adultery and all of those things. But anything that is not of the light, anything that's not of faith is sin. So it would be equated 
to wickedness. It's done in darkness. It's a dimness, right? It's obscurity I can't fully understand. We can see everything that happens in the world. And when does it happen most likely? If you look at the crime statistics, they happen in the nighttime. Adultery happens in the nighttime. I mean, think about this. It's easier for a person to confuse a $100 bill for a $100 bill in the darkness. I got two bills in my pocket. One's $100. One is a dollar bill. Somebody please give me a light because I need to make sure to give Brother Andy the $1 bill. I don't want to make a mistake. It'll happen easily in the darkness. Now, it seems like a, you know... It seems small, but oh no, that's the truth because this is the word of God. And so if we're operating in darkness, it's going to be very easy to get it wrong. And we need the light of Christ to be able to shine the light. Paul said it is the light of Christ that has shone upon our hearts that now everything's been made manifest and we can see. In the darkness, it speaks of a lack course a lack of light and a desire there is a desire for light i mean a lot of times we wait for the sun to come up because i'm ready to do whatever it is that i intend to do for today now that's not to say that if a person just likes the nighttime that you're evil no that's not what we're talking about but we're talking about the metaphorical sense again is being for a lack of just a better word, ignorant of the divine things. That ignorance is, is not just up here, but it's also being able to put them into application. That ignorance would be coming to a church or going to any fellowship every Sunday and just saying He is risen, but never growing in your knowledge of Christ, never growing in your pursuit and your passion for what that means. So just as with these disciples that are walking, we need the complete scripture. Because we would say that unbelief, the unbelief that was starting to infect them, the unbelief is the cancer of today's Christianity. It's still alive. It's still breathing. It's still walking. But yet it's still hopeless. Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. This darkness that he speaks of, is, it's chaos, it, it's everything that, that, that would not be included in the light, and he called it nighttime. Now you read the very similar story in the New Testament in John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, referring to Genesis chapter 1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Okay, so now we added a little bit more to our story. Now, Jesus was at the very beginning. It wasn't God. It was Jesus. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Okay, 
Everything we know then is created by him, through him, and for him. Every chair that we sit on, this building, whether the intentions that the architect had, they were all made through Christ. But greater than that, the heavens, he stretched them out. And Job even questioned him about many things. And he asked Job, where were you at when I hung up the moon and the stars? It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5 says, and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Your translation might say the darkness did not overcome it. Because how can someone or something overcome what it does not understand? It's impossible. So we have to understand the light so that we can overcome the darkness. Now from the beginning of time to John chapter 1 to even now to this very day, is this need for the light over darkness. The darkness that he called night. Remember, this is metaphorical, so we want to stay with that. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You're not going to conduct yourself in this lack, in this need for light. You're not going to conduct yourself no more with an ignorance according to divine things but you're going to understand them. You're going to have the light of life. John chapter 12, verse 35. Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Then Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Now we've covered this as we're going through John and we clearly remember it where he said, walk while you have the light. You're only going to have me for a little bit. Lest the darkness overtake you because if that's the case, you don't know where you're going. Well, where are we going? Well, we are going to heaven. So we need to know the way. He said, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. I'm leaving to go with the Father and the way you also know. So we need this light to show us the way. That's why scripture says, uh, I'm a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet, correct? Because it leads us down the proper way. John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. You're not going to dwell in darkness. You're not going to stay in darkness. You're not going to live in darkness. You are going to live in the light. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Jesus is making clear, I didn't come with the intentions to condemn anybody. I came to save a lost world. But my word that's been spoken, that word's already declared. That word is already set in stone. That word is going to judge you. And he's saying, believe in me. And that's the key here is belief. Because it's so easy for unbelief to try to creep in on us. And that's how sly Satan is, is that he wants to try to come in and cause us to doubt. Because once we start to doubt, then we can start leaving from the light. And we can start dwelling in darkness. So this darkness that John calls night, or God calls night back in Genesis, 
What's the example of what happens at night? Well, we already know what happens in the nighttime. That's why nightclubs open in the nighttime. They don't open at 7 o'clock in the morning. They open in the nighttime. But let's look at a biblical example. John chapter 13, verse 30. Remember, they're having this meal together, the disciples and Jesus. And verse 30 says that Judas, having re received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. Well, we know now because we've read the story. Oh, of course, he wasn't knowledgeable of the truth of what this was. He was ignorant to it. That's why he did what he did, because nobody in their right mind who knows and understands the truth of the gospel is going to turn around and deceive Jesus the way that he did. So it was night. This is an example of what happens in the darkness when it is night. And in Matthew chapter 27, when you're reading another version of this redemption story of crucifixion, Matthew chapter 27, verse 62 says, On the next day which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. This is where we find our trouble today. In a little piece of scripture that says, lest the disciples come and steal him by the nighttime. Remember, this nighttime speaks of darkness. It speaks of something that doesn't understand the whole truth of scripture, or they deny it, either one. And they steal him away. When someone steals something, what they do is they do it uh, to benefit themselves. And they do it in the darkness. They take something and they take it away where now it's hidden from somebody else. But it's self-centered. It's for, for us. I'm not going to steal something to benefit one of you as well as you're not going to steal anything to benefit me or anybody else. But it's for self And of course, the thief always steals in darkness. So in the, in the process of time, many have come by stealth in the nighttime and they've stolen the character and the persona of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what's happened. That's why there's so much division. That's why there is so much chaos. This is the darkness, the nighttime, the, again, the lack of knowledge according to the divine things. It's happening in the nighttime. Is it nighttime right now? No, it's day. But spiritually speaking, it's nighttime. Because that's where there's still unbelief. There's self-centeredness. There is bitterness. There is envy. There is division. I mean, those things shouldn't be happening in the church. So what does that tell us? There is darkness. It is a nighttime. And even today... We see Mary Magdalene, she ran to the tomb and she was weeping. But we see many people that are going to run this morning to the tomb of a building. No, not a tomb where they lay a body, but a tomb as a memorial because that's what a tomb is. Many people are going to run to that tomb of a building only to hear he's not there. Or to find out he's not there. 
Many are going to shout, He is risen. But the true question is, has He risen? Oh yeah, He's risen according to Scripture. But the question we want to find out tonight is, has He risen in my heart? Because many people praise God and they give hallelujahs. But do we really know why? Why are we lifting up our hands? Why are we shouting praise God? Why are we saying He has risen? Because He was smitten? Hallelujah, because He was smitten? Hallelujah, because He was flogged or He was ridiculed or humiliated or He was spat upon? They took His clothes off and rendered Him naked in front of everyone? Praise God, hallelujah, for that. Are we rejoicing over that? Are we rejoicing because they made less of Him? Or is it hallelujah because He died? It's not even that. I mean, the thought of that alone, yes, it brings tears to know that this God who is so loving, He did that. But if He is in our hearts, we know the reason why. Because if those reasons that we just mentioned, if those are the reasons, then the only response that we're ever going to get is, He's not here. Because that's what the angel said. Why are you seeking for the living amongst the dead? He's not here. And I would have to say this morning that He's not here in this building. He's not. Let's not be deceived. Of course, we know in God's omnipresence, yes, He's everywhere, but He's not here in this building. He's not in the service or the ceremony, per se. It's not in the celebration, not this morning, not when we leave and spend time with the family. That's not where He simply is at. He's not in self-centeredness, that's for sure. But He's in Christ-centeredness. That's where He always is. So if we are in Jesus Christ, then He's alive in our hearts. He resides inside our hearts and our souls. And that's why we sing and we rejoice. Yes, now, hallelujah, that he was smitten. Why? Because he died, but he didn't just stay dead, but he rose again. And he didn't stay uh, risen again, but he ascended back into the Father. That's why we shout. That's why we say, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory be to the King of Kings because of that. John chapter 14, we read that one a few weeks back. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I'm going to receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. John chapter 14, verse 19, he said, A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. That is the joy. That's the excitement because the Lord God said to us, If I live, you're also going to live. That's the excitement. That's why we can gather and say He is risen. That's why we can lift up our hands. That's why we can be excited because 
He said, you believe God, believe in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. In the meantime, I will send my Holy Spirit and he will lead you in all things and he'll teach you in all things. What kind of conversation is this? He is risen. Because if it's something that we just say, if it's something that we just do, then it's self-centered. But if he is risen in our hearts, then he's Christ-centered. He's not here. That's okay. He's not in the building. I don't want him to be in the building because I want him to be inside of my soul. What conversation is it in our belief or unbelief? Because we all get in that area where we tend to unbelieve because we think it's taking a little bit too long. This is exactly what happened with these two brothers that were reading about walking to Emmaus. Same thing that happened with Peter and the other disciples. They experienced this grief because, yes, when reality hits, it's a different ball game. Oh, it's all good. When it all's going good in our life, yes, praise God, the Bible, yeah, I understand it. We can quote scripture, but how surprising is it that when we start to go through a situation, I can't even remember scripture. That's where we need one another to bring that word of God, to implant it and shine that light in the middle of that darkness that's happening in the soul so that they can rejoice. See, there is a people, there is a people, and we, we cannot deny it. There is a people who has come by stealth in the process of time. And yes, they're disciples, because remember, Judas Iscariot, he was a disciple. He was also labeled as an apostle, and he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ so greatly. He did miracles. There has been in the process of time disciples who have come because of their self-centeredness, and they've stolen, again, the image, the character of the Lord Jesus Christ because of personal gain or whatever mission that they have. They've stolen Him by night. They haven't given Him the glory that belongs to Him. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, well, why do I mention that first? Because it's important we can't ignore that. Because if we, know, if we understand it, then we know that it can't overcome us. But for those of us in Christ Jesus, why is it important? Because we know that He rose again and it doesn't finish there. It doesn't finish on Resurrection Sunday or Easter. It's not just the one time, but every single day. I don't feel good this morning. That's okay because the Lord went to go prepare a place for me. Oh, my marriage isn't going good right now. That's okay because the Lord went to prepare a place for me. I just got laid off from work. That's okay because the Lord went to go prepare a place for me. And the way which He went, I know the way also. And His Word, His Spirit is the light unto my path. And that's where we're going. That's why we rejoice again today. What conversation is this that we're having in our lives with the brethren, with our workers, uh, co-workers, with ourselves? What conversation are we having with ourselves? Because there's sometimes that there's not somebody around that can encourage us, but we need to encourage ourselves like King David would. I mean, remember, we're not orphans. We're not orphans. Oh, I might not have a brother or sister around. Oh, but you have Father God. And He's going to come comfort us and He's going to console us in these times of need. So that conversation has to be great. We always have to resort. See, that's the 
end result of a Christian. It doesn't matter what happens. I know where I'm going, okay? The Lord's already preparing a place. He has my address on there. I know. I don't know the address where it's going to be, but I know where I'm going. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, things don't seem so bad after all. I have joy now. I mean, that's the mentality. That's why someone could be thrown in the lion's den and say, it doesn't matter. God can deliver me. But even if he doesn't, that's okay, because I know where I'm going. And it's a better place than this. It's a better place than these chairs at New Vision Ecclesia. It's a better place than our wonderful, warm, cozy homes. Yes, it's even better than at a gathering with our family on Resurrection Sunday, by all means. I don't mean to burst anyone's bubble, but it is way over and beyond better. We love our family, of course we do. But if we understand what's been prepared for us, then our spirit says, come, Lord Jesus, come. I mean, we should be grieved at the state to where we say, okay, God, use me, but Father, if you can, just come, God, because it's, it's bad out there. But then the other half says, but what about the people that I can reach? And so we, we want to keep that balance there. But what kind of conversation is going on inside of our souls? We might not be talking with one another at church. It might be, yes, good, praise God, everything is good. But what about when we go home? What kind of conversation? Is it a conversation of unbelief? Or are we even talking at all? Is, is it just a silence? Because that's the important matter of all of this. Because if we're not gathering for that, then we're gathering in vanity today. We want to gather. Why? Because Christ rose. And because He rose, we're going to rise as well. This right here. These are Christians. They're red Christians. One's self-centered. One's Christ-centered. Okay, we die one day. We take our last breath. What happens to the self-centered Christian? What happens to the Christ-centered Christian? This represents our body that's keeping us tied to this earth right now. But when we're released from this, the body goes down. It's planted in the ground like a seed. But when the Lord Jesus comes back, there's nothing that can change it. There's a trial. It's okay, I'm still going up. That is the excitement because if we're self-centered, that's where we're going. Well, the devil comes and, yeah, I'm still on the ground. And he'll come kick you again. And he'll kick you again. But the person who believes in Christ, yes, it's difficult. It's okay. He tries to slam you. You can't keep me down. I know where I'm going. That's the joy of Resurrection Sunday. Because He lives, I'm going to live. Because He lives, you're going to live. And it should be a joy. And if it is not, then I would urge you for that self-examination. And it's as simple as saying, God, yes, I realize now. And I trust you, God. 
And I believe in you. Forgive me, God, for being selfish. Forgive me for being blind. God, I want to be Christ-centered. I don't want to be that Christian who comes by stealth in the nighttime and he steals you away. I don't want to ruin your persona, your character, but I want to glorify you, God. While I'm here, because I know where I'm going, I know what you have done, and God, let that be the story of my life. It's important. It's important to know that. It's important to understand it. Let that drop in your soul this morning. If you're not excited, don't just be excited because, oh, we're going to gather afterwards and, and, and have fun and barbecues. No, don't. It, that's, no. Compared, compared to eternity, that's foolishness. If we're excited about barbecues, if we're excited about all of other things, it's foolishness. But the sad part about it is we don't, we don't speak this to condemn these people, but see, they're in darkness still. They call themselves darkness or they call themselves Christians. They're in the darkness. See, we walk around life, you and me, and we're going to work and I feel this pull on my soul that it's pulling me up. But the fact is, is I'm working still. But still this, this pull, this spiritual pull is pulling me up. Why? Because I know where my, my soul desires to go. And we don't keep our focus here. Yeah, that's nice and I'd love to have it, but I, I, I forget because I just I keep going up. And that's that's the story of the gospel. That's the joy of a Christian. That is why we can say hallelujah. Because the song we sang, it said, thieves, they're going to come to repentance and they're going to recognize what? That you are holy God. See, a lot of these people who are coming by night and taking the character of Christ, they're going to realize one day, hopefully it's not too late, but everyone is going to realize that the Bible says that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. So I pray that this morning you have a different outlook on the resurrection. Because he lives, you're going to live. We're going to live. That's a promise that should just give us a, 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 an overwhelming joy. And if we know the reality of what's to be expected for those who don't, that's why we want to come and reach them more. That's why we want to be gentle. That's why we don't want to be rough. That's why we don't want to pound hell upon them, but we want to give them the gospel and we want to demonstrate the compassion and the mercy of Jesus Christ because, hey, he forgave us. He didn't give up on us. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came that through me they might be saved. So our mission is not to condemn the world. It's not to condemn Christians, but it is to stand for the truth of Scripture and that people may come to the knowledge of Christ. But for us who are in Christ... Let today be a different rejoicing. You have to just stop and thank Him once every hour and say, God, thank you that you rose. Always help me to remember, God, that because you rose, I'm going to rise as well that, so that I don't get focused on all the foolishness that's happening in this world. Make that the conversation that happens in our souls when we talk to ourselves, when we talk with the Lord, when we talk with other people. We do that, we'll never go wrong. There's no reason for us to have to walk around and be sad as these two brothers.
There's no reason that Christ should have to be near, but we don't recognize that he's near because we're so focused on the foolishness. Yes, I'm walking in Christ. Yes, I'm talking about God, but I still don't see him. Why? Because unbelief is setting in. We don't want God to tell us what kind of conversation is this. Let's rejoice today. Today is a day to be happy, but don't let it stop today, but tomorrow and next week and the day after. I'm full of joy because God was good enough to love a sinner and a wretch like me. For that alone, I'm forever thankful. I would ask this morning that you would show us, Father. Don't let us leave this building. Until our hearts rejoice like Mary Magdalene, God. Oh God, maybe we're not running to a tomb, God, but that our hearts would be running after you, Father. Because we see that everything had a purpose. All the suffering, God, all the humiliation, all the embarrassment and the false accusations, God. All the floggings, all the blood. All the spitting upon you, God. Let that become real to us, Father. Let it become so real to a point to where, Father, we in the same way as our brother Paul would say that we bear the marks of Jesus Christ. We want to bear your marks, God. We want to count it all as joy, Father, when we go through certain uh, trials and afflictions that you would even consider us worthy to be the vessel that you want to show your glory through, Father. We rejoice because, God, you rose. You didn't just die, you rose. And until then, help us to wait eagerly with an expectation for your return till you take us to a greater glory, Father, where we stand before your sight. And Lord, there will be no room for words, simply for tears and adoration, God. But Lord, start preparing us even now that we would be experienced and not be ashamed or embarrassed the day that we stand before you.